And so John moves through and he is seeking to encourage and correct the body of believers there. And we read these words. I'll read the first half of this now and then we'll do the second half in a moment. John writing in, in 1 John 4, starting in verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love, they just simply don't know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. John writes into the midst of this situation. And, and, and like many churches, there were people just simply not getting along, not being loving towards one another. And he interjects his authority into the midst of this. And he simply says, love one another. Now notice how he addresses them in verse 7. He doesn't say members of the body. He doesn't say members of rich Christ. But he looks at them and he says, beloved. He reminds them, friend, that as God looks at you, he beholds you as beloved. <laughs> that his love is being poured out on you. And that is who you are. And it is in accordance with that address that he turns then and says, let us love one another. This is both a command and a lead out that as he goes to the other people, he says, look, I'm going to love you. You're going to love me. Let us come together and love one another. Now this is, this is a difficult thing, right? Because as we read in 1 John here, we say, oh man, this is something that happened a whole long time ago. And those people's lives were just a whole lot simpler. And those people had to rely on one another because the governments were seeking to persecute them and we don't have any of that. And so everything's much easier for us. And so it's, it's and we're in a church that's large enough that we can hold subtle grudges. We can hold subtle grudges. Now these aren't obvious things. We're not keying one another's cars. We're not egging each other's houses. We're not, you know, in this weather, we're not out putting water on people's uh, front steps. <laughs> Nobody knows I did that water. Because obvious crunches. I mean, those are things we can call them. But we are masterful at holding something going on. We are master, masterful at greeting one another, even in the hallway. Saying good morning. Maybe walking up and shaking hands. Exchanging a cold hug. I won't cut it. The word John writes here is love. The word John writes here won't handle these subtle neglects that are called love. They won't handle subtle righteousness. John says, let us love one another. And he's got to ground that in something, right? And so John goes all the way to the top. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For what reason? For love is from God. He says, look, I, I, I don't know where you think. <coughs> I don't know where you think love has come from. But love is from God. John helps him to recognize as, as they sit there and they struggle internally and they say, I 
calling me to, to love Johnny is, is right here to my right. We're in an informal setting this morning, so I'm going to address him. Y'all are here for this, but I'm going to address Johnny. Johnny and I have some issues. Not really. This is hypothetical. I chose the one deacon I don't have any issues with. <laughs> Just kidding. I was going to pick that guy, but he didn't come this morning. <laughs> so as, as as I look at Johnny, I kind of lost where I was going with that. Just kidding. And so, Johnny, as we're working out our issues, man, I have some real issues with you, and I can't work those out with all that is within me. And you can't work those out with all that is within you. But, man, when we get tapped in and we recognize that love comes from God, that this love that comes from God isn't isn't limited, that this love that comes from God is it's not strapped, this love that comes from God, it is not restricted, it is not it is not constricted, it's not held tightly, but it flows free. This love that comes from God can overflow and, and, and can restore any rift in the relationship between Johnny and myself. This love that flows from God finds its source in the eternal and everlasting spring of God. And this love that comes from God calls us to love one another. We see John, he writes the scripture. He says, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. John goes on and he says, look, let us, let us as we look around, let us observe that whoever loves knows God and has been born of God. John is doing an amazing thing that would, would surely strike us to our core. He's saying, look, if you want to know who's a Christian and is not a Christian, look at the way they love if you want to know who's a Christian and who's not a Christian, look at the people around you holding on grudges. Because the love of Christ, the love of God compels us, it forces us to relinquish any grudges. To relinquish any wrongdoings. To let go of all disappointments. To recognize that in the new birth, than in having been made alive again through God. That we're simply able to love. Because we have been born of God. Because as Jesus entered into his encounter with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he simply said that you must be born again. That we have been born of God and we know God. John says that's, that's a Christian song. See, in this community, we should be the most charitable. We should be the most giving. We should be those who, when someone says, do you know Zach? Do you know Mike? Do you know Steve? Do you know Jay? And they should say yes. Man, those are loving families. Do you know Philip? Do you know Ed? Do you know the Hansons? Do you know Carol B? Do you know Tyler? Man, everyone you've described, these are loving people. You've been born of God. Going to the opposite side of it. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God. John deals with the fact that there are those in their community who simply saw being loving as an option. And so he wanted them to understand that, that not to love 
not to allow love to flow from your life. This love that finds its origin, its beginning in God. It's to be in contradiction with the very calling that God put on you in salvation. This, this holding back of love, this, this enforcing of grudges or, or, or whatever it is that you're doing, be it a son, be it a daughter. Be a sister, be a parent. <laughs> Holding back. You gotta allow the love that, that stems from God that flows through you to impact them. And in so doing, you're moving in contradiction to exactly what it is to be a Christian. And that's why John writes it that way says, whoever does not love does not know God. You see, for a Christian, there's not an, op- there's not an option of to love or not to love. There's a command to love one another. And we see that as he, as he goes in and he writes this, he founds it once again. We've already heard that love is from God, but now we read that God is love. Man, as a Christian, if you have something against a brother or sister in Christ, or maybe you left a church and came here because you got mad at someone and you have never responded in love towards them. You're holding bitterness in your heart against them. We recognize that love is from God. We recognize that God is love. You're moving in conflict who God is in his very nature and what it is to be a Christian. Recognize that God is love. That this characteristic covers all of God's movements. That this characteristic covers all of God's actions. That as he moves in justice, it is a display of his love. That as he moves in charity, it is a display of his glory and a display of his love. We recognize that that God is love. Now, love is not God. Love, for a lot of people, is what they make their God into. My friends that that pursue love as the highest end. They want everybody to love one another. They they strive for world peace, and, and they do their share in trying to make that a reality because they have gotten these things out of order. They say love is God. But the text tells us that God is love. <laughs> Friends, God is love as we read here. We see in verse 9, John wants us to understand the depth of this love. John wants us to understand just how far this love went. He says, in this way, the love of God was made manifest among us. In this way, the love of God was displayed before us. Is another way to put this. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Some of you are hearing the echoes of John 3.16 ring through this verse. John writes and he says, look, this is how we know love. 
that love was lavishly displayed before us, that God pulled out all the stops, then he entered into this amazing endeavor to insert his son temporally into time, that he sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. You see, God recognized that we were spiritually dead. We are spiritually lost. All of us who have professed faith in Jesus Christ recognize that there was a time in our life that we were dead, we were lost, we were a slave to our own wills, that we could not do anything good. We recognize that as John writes in 3.14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Quite simply, this display of love towards one another is proof, is an assurance that God has moved in our hearts for salvation. We recognize that God sent his only son. This isn't a reference to say that, that Jesus is simply an only child. What John is making a reference here is to the uniqueness of who Jesus is. He is the one for whom there is no other like him. He is the one in whom there is none other that comes close to Jesus, the unique one, who uniquely was sent here into this world to afford us to move us from death to life. And as we approach the first two elements, we recognize the Son who came into the world. He allowed his body to be broken. The son who came into the world. Philippians 2 tells us that he, he did not avail himself of the very nature of what it is to be God. But he allowed himself to be friends. He allowed himself to be Over these next few moments as we distribute the bread, pray that you would turn your hearts and deeply reflect. How is God calling you to display his love through reflection on who he is? We recognize that love is from God and God is love. And how is he calling you to respond to that truth? Let me lead us in a word of prayer and ask that you can stay. Father, thank you for your body which was broken. And I thank you for the sacrifice that you displayed before us. Thank you for the call that you placed before us in following you in like service. God, I pray that as we reflect upon your sacrifice, we memorialize it today. That you would once again be calling us a deep following of what it is to live a life sacrificially and loving those around us. We pray this in Christ's name. Reading in Matthew 26, the text tells us that now as they were for eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Continuing on in verses 10 through 12, John writes, he says, and this is love, 
Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And His love is perfected in us. John is, is continuing his argument, trying to drive, trying to convince them and, and trying to convince us of the importance of loving one another. So calling once again, he says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. John goes into the midst of this and he says, look, you'll, 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 you'll recognize that, that, that in your current state, you love God. And those that John were writing to gave a hearty amen. They said, amen, John, we love God. John said, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Look at God's display of love. He sent his son into the world. But as he sent his son into the world, you did not love him. You'll remember many of those that greeted Jesus as he entered in were the same people that shouted and crucified him. In our lost state, we joined in and echoed their cries of crucifying him. We held the the crucifixion, we held the sacrifice of Jesus in disdain. Now that's this. That as we weren't moved and affected by the love of God, that He, that He sent His Son in the midst of our hatred, in the midst of our dislike, in the midst of our indifference, in the midst of our coldness towards Him. The text tells us that not because we loved Him, but because He loved. Tremendous display of love. It's so hard to be loving towards people that don't love you in return, is it not? I think many people are feel that they're up to this challenge, and that's why they're cattlers. But the rest of us have realized the difficulty of this and on dogs instead. Those of you who refuse to laugh, we'll talk later. Go cats. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is difficult to love someone who doesn't want to love you back. I've talked to a number of parents who have children that have, have, have gone astray. <coughs> I mean, as parents, you, you love your children. Right? It's, it's something you can't quantify, it's something you can't articulate. You just love them. You see them making poor decisions and you love them still. Now imagine God's vantage point as he looks down on all of creation. He sees a world moving against him. As God looks down on humanity that is encircling his son and he sees his creation, he sees his handiwork cry out for his crucifixion, cry out with love lust, wanting to see him die. That in the omniscience of God, that in his ability to know all and see all, 
sent his son into that <clears throat> Not to carve off what we were talking about, but the hatred that humanity cast upon him. You know, that's love. And that's love that you and I should just sit back and say, you know, that's the love we're called to live up to. That's the love that we're called to emulate. That's the love that we're called to embody and to take on. Man, that is a high call and a lifelong endeavor. John says, not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. John is addressing them and wants them to understand the gravity of what our sin costs. See, as we've talked about so many times, and it's worth saying again, in, in terms of sacrifice, in terms of doing away with sins, there are, you could expiate them or you could propitiate them. <coughs> now, if, if we're simply wanting to expiate something, then we could make a payment, then we could offer some type of, of, of sacrifice just to kind of move it away, and the Bible gives us a picture of that in the scapegoat. You remember that the, the high priest in the Old Testament would come and he would, would confess all the sins of the people onto the head of the goat. And then he would send that goat out into the wilderness. And that is a picture of sacrifice, of expiation. That goat, its life is taken, but it is sent out in the midst. See, Jesus, he was sent out. He was crucified outside the wall. And it makes us think that, that God moves to expiate sin. But even as Jesus is sent out, even as the sin of the world is upon his shoulders, his life that he offers up to be taken from him. And the wrath of God is poured out on him. Jesus becomes sin-bearer. Jesus in his frail human state, still maintaining his full deity, suffers the full wrath of God for every misdeed that I've ever done. Jesus, as the Son of God, suffers for every false word I've ever uttered. For every careless deed. And he does the same for you. That's love. And he sent his son to be the propitiation to suffer wrath, the wrath of God. Not because he'd done something wrong, but because we were all wrong. Verse 11. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, in essence, he's saying, look, beloved, if this is how God loved us, if, if God loved us that, that he came down in the flesh, if God loved us that, that he died at the, at the hand of his own creation, God, if God loved us in this way that he would confine himself to a frail human body, Friends, if, if God loved us in this way, that he would allow his side to be pierced, his blood to pour out. 
If God loved us this way, we also ought to love one another. I mean, it's this amazing thing. We, we come up with all the arguments in our minds of, of why we, we can quit trying to love those around us. We come up with all the rationality in our mind of, oh, God, you just don't understand. I've been trying to love them for years. I have exhausted funds. I have exhausted myself. I've exhausted my spouse. I've done all of these things in an effort to be loving towards them. I'm done. Does that stand up? Does that stand up under the weight of what John is telling us here? Is that somehow more painful? Is that somehow more difficult than what Christ did? Look at the argument that John made. If God so loved us, if God loved us in this way, then we also ought to love one another. Then we also should love one another. Then we also must love one another. And then in verse 12, he says, look, if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. John is, is, is once again trying to draw them back to the reality of who they are. He says, look, as, as the body of Christ, if we are engaged in loving one another, not simply forgiving, not simply saying it's okay, don't worry about it, but as we're seeking to maintain fellowship, as we're seeking to love, to move in love towards one another, what John says is we are demonstrating that the love of God is active and moving in our lives. We are demonstrating, we are giving testament to the fact that God has changed us. The text says that God abides in us. That the confession you make when you confess Jesus as Lord that the request you made that he forgive you of your sins is real and it is valid. Inasmuch as you continue to give a display of loving one another. As we love one another, we're, we're offering ourselves assurance of our own salvation, not that we're working to salvate, for salvation. Not that we're somehow saving ourselves in but we are working in accordance with what God has already done to us, in us. He says if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. Another way to translate that is completed in us. You see, God demonstrated his love in what way? That he sent his son. He demonstrated his love in what way? That he sacrificed his son. And today, he demonstrates his love in what way? Through us. You see, God's love is met out on the people of Greenville and Roy City and Rockwall and in every job and in every restaurant you visit and in every encounter that you have throughout the day. Every engagement that you have, the love of God is met out on humanity. His love is worked to completion his love is working to drive us towards 
perfection in <coughs> And that is a word that will take our entire, our entire lives. In fact, will not be realized until the second coming or our part. God calls us to love. Love should be the, the cornerstone of who we are. What this body is. In that love, there's no room for grudges. There's no room for selfishness. There's no room for pettiness. There's no room for for so-and-so wronged me in the past. God demonstrates his love to us in this. That he sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. He demonstrates his love in this. And that you and I are able to be loving towards even those who are unloving towards us. Because we are moving in accord with the Spirit of God in our lives. Amen? As we move to take the cup together, we recognize the tremendous nature of Jesus' sacrifice for us. The tremendous nature of his love towards us. John, writing in his gospel account, said this in John 15, starting verse 12, he said, This is my commandment, that you love one another. He's quoting Jesus here. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. As we focus on the sacrifice of Jesus and his blood poured out, Jesus is calling us to a life of sacrificial love to a life of loving those around us who are so incredibly unloving, to a demonstration of that love and a testimony of the gospel. Testifying to the power of the gospel working in our lives, impacting those around us. That as the cup is passed down, I'd ask you to take and hold so that we might take it in unison together. And that you would allow God to turn your thoughts and reflect on the sacrifice that he offered for you. On the sacrifice that he offered for us. On the sacrifice he offered for all those who have yet to surrender their lives to him. God calls us to love. That his love might be perfected in us. Let us reflect upon that. Jesus, as he met with the disciples on the, the night before he was crucified, they had this, this intimate gathering of friends. And they wouldn't fully recognize what he was doing until the days and the weeks later as they continued to reflect and think upon the words he'd said and parse out the ways that he did things. And that's what we remember. We remember the bread, his body, which was broken, and we remember the cup, his blood, which is broken. These are the words that they would have heard him say. And this is the action that they would have seen him take. Said, and he took a cup. And when he had given, and when he gave it to them, said to them, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, 
which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. As we reflect upon the Lord's Supper, we reflect upon what it is to have love. And we realize how how privileged we are that the God of the universe moved in love to redeem us, that the God of the universe moved in salvation, that he, he moved our hearts and directs us back towards him. That this God of limitless power, that this God is not affected by cold, is not affected by power outages or water outages, it is this who offered up his one and only son, the one and unique one, Jesus. He sent him into the world, and in so doing, he altered all of eternity for each of us. And it is this God who calls us to return the display of love towards one another and towards a world which so desperately needs to hear. As we enter into this, this time of reflection in song, I pray that as God is moving in you, as he is speaking to you, that you would respond in whatever way God is calling you to. Maybe at the conclusion of the service, you want to talk to someone about how that can become real for you. lived your life with this notion of who God is and what he has done, but today it has become real for you. It has crystallized in you and you feel the spirit moving, warming, and calling and converting. God calls us and he demands that we be faithful to his calling. How is God calling?